It's been said in the West that whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting. And we've seen our share of fights across Montana in recent decades. Montana's long-neglected rural water systems are finally getting a boost thanks to more than $100 million of new Bureau of Reclamation funding announced in March. Meanwhile, in the Gallatin and Madison counties, the conflict between developers and environmentalists rages on, but with a new twist, a ballot initiative for the upcoming midterm elections. A law that would insert the legislature into the citizen initiative process is playing out in some surprising ways around Big Sky. In this episode of the Voices of Montana podcast, guest host Jennifer Owen discusses the new funding for Montana's water infrastructure with Jody Helligard, project manager for the North Central Montana Regional Water Authority, and really dive into the total impact it will have throughout Montana. Later, Chuck Deneau from United Property Owners of Montana calls in to break down I-191, which would grant the highest amount of government protection to sections of the Madison and Gallatin Rivers, and some of its potential consequences for Montana's developers, recreationists, farmers and ranchers, and even conservationists. It's a water-packed hour with some important news for the Treasure State, and you won't want to miss it. On March 31st, the Federal Bureau of Reclamation announced more than $100 million for three critical water projects in rural Montana including $57.5 million for the Rocky Boys North Central Montana Water System. I'm joined today on Voices of Montana by Project Manager Jody Helligard. Jody, welcome to the show. Jennifer, thank you for having me. So before we jump into this new chunk of money that you've received, give us an overview of this project. Jennifer, thanks. This project goes back, um, I have to, hard to believe, but it's over 25 years um, the Chippewa Cree tribe of North Central Montana on Rocky Boy Reservation negotiated their tribe's water rights claims. Um, there is not sufficient water in Rocky Boy for the tribal population. Their ground is really rocky and there's wells, but they go dry and they're on water restrictions every single summer, regardless of, you know, what goes on in terms of rainfall. So back in 1997, the Montana legislature approved um, the water rights claims, and then President Clinton signed in 1999. Then you jump forward a few years, and President Bush signed in 2002 legislation that authorized the project. So we've got a tribal component, the Rocky Boy, um, Chippewa Cree portion, and then we've got a non-tribal portion, which I am the manager of, and that's the North Central Montana Regional Water System. So tell me a little bit about how, given the scope of this project with both tribal and non-tribal stakeholders, how has that played out for you? Are there challenges navigating those various jurisdictions, including, of course, the federal role in all of this? Yes, there is always challenges. Um, the, you know, we've been working together for 25 years, so there's agreements in place that, um, you know, work between the tribe and the authority and it's very clear in the legislation, you know, what's the tribal portion and what's the non-tribal portion. The tribal portion is going to be the water treatment plant that's at Tiber that's currently under construction. And the tribal portion of the project is, you know, we call it the core and the pipeline that will tra- traverse from the, um, tri- the Tiber water plant to the Rocky Boy Reservation. And then the non-core system is all the um, service lines off the core line and from Tiber. So we actually go from Haver, and a little bit north of Haver to North Haver County Water mm-hmm. District, go all the way west to Cutbank, go north to Sweetgrass, go south to Dutton, and then we even have connections north of Chester, so a wide region. But the legislation distinguished between the two. 
we receive funding together. So, for example, your $57.5 million you referenced earlier in the show, we'll, we'll meet, we'll divvy up how that goes. Um, I've been on the project since 2013, and, you know, a lot of the tribal members that we work with are the same, and they've been very good to work with. We're all interested in getting water. Water is very important to all our communities and as the tribe has had water restrictions, we have members that have water restrictions. So when you all want the same goal, it makes working together easier. So you talked a little bit about the geographic scope of this project. What about the number of people impacted? How many people does this project plan to serve? They're estimating over 30,000, um, you know, at the 40-year growth between what is in Hill County when you include Haver and then the tribal um, component at Rocky Boy. And, you know, Shelby, Conrad, um, Cutbank, those are bigger communities. So it's quite a, ra- a large number of people. Today on Voices of Montana, we are talking all things water, learning about new infrastructure investments, as well as some battles over river access and development in the Gallatin Valley. I'm your guest host, Jennifer Owen, in today for Tom Schultz, who will be back in the booth tomorrow. We're talking now with Jody Heligard, project manager for the Rocky Boys North Central Montana Rural Water System. And Jody, before the break, we were talking a little bit about the just massive scope of this project. It's geographic reach, 30,000 potential Montana residents served. Tell us a little bit about the timeline. When did this start? When do you all see it being completed? Thanks, Jennifer. It's, you know, we go back to when President Bush joined in 2002 that project started not significant money until 2009. If you recall um, the stimulus funding back in 2009 under President Obama, and that's when the intake at the lake got started in the core pipeline. And then go back to pretty modest funding at that, you know, from 2013-14. So when I started with the project as manager in 2013, to be perfectly honest, I, I didn't know that there would ever be a day that it could be done. The funding was not keeping up with the rate of inflation of how much the project was going to cost. And so the latter part of Obama's term and throughout the um, Trump administration, funding has improved. And then with this infrastructure funding um, that I need to stop and thank Senator Tester for being one of the leaders and getting that funding for these projects, um, it's hard to put in words how much this changes. I've sat in a table with our tribal partners and we look at each other and says, this is really going to happen wow. when we thought for years that it may not happen. And so with that funding, um, it's a five years worth of funding. So 2026, it's conceivable. You've got a plan two to three years after that 2026 before all elements would be done. So within 10 years, um, I think we'll see a big chunk of it done by 2025 is our goal. So we're focusing on what we call the east side of the system. Mm-hmm. So Slutton Construction is out at Tiber right now constructing a water treatment plant that's probably a year from final completion. Um, they ran into delays with COVID and like supply chain issues like everyone. The core um, pipeline um, is being put in the ground by the Chippewa Creek Construction Company, and that's scheduled to take um, to 24-25. And then they're also simultaneously working on reservation improvements. So in the meantime, what the authority is working on is we recently went out to bid on the segment from the core pipeline to Loma and the segment that will go from the core pipeline to Big Sandy. 
And then we have some existing infrastructure in place that we need to add a pump station. So we call that the Tiber pump station. We went to bid on that. So we opened bids on that a couple of weeks ago. So there'll be some folks in the field doing construction here this summer on those segments. And then our next big lift is going to be Haver. So by 2025, and so that 57.5, we're planning to use a big chunk of that um, for core pipeline and Haver. We can have those big units or service areas at the end of the system in place. It makes for a good operation of the plant where your big users are at the end. And so when the plant goes on live in 2025, we have the reservation and Haver ready to go. And then shortly after Haver or almost simultaneously, depending on funding for 23 and 24, we need to connect with the Hill County segment. And so our goal is, I would say, by 2025, 2026, 2026, the whole east side of the project is going to be up and running. That's incredible. And what is the jobs impact of this? How many people are just working on the construction right now? The construction crews, for one thing that surprised me a bit on construction crews for pipelines is they're not huge. Huh. You know, there's a, you know a couple pieces of equipment and, you know, less than, you know, 10 guys, sometimes just three guys working to put it in. So that part to me was a bit surprising. The core pipeline that the Chippewa Creek Construction Company puts in, that steel, there's more steps to that. And so they have a bit of a bigger crew. So the actual pipeline installation is not a ton of jobs. You know, when you look at the fiber mm-hmm. water treatment plant, there's a lot of trades on that. So they've had electrical subs and you know, more of that type out there. So it gets, you know, 30 people plus out there working at any given time. Um, And so I would say in terms of construction, definitely jobs. Definitely we want to, you know, be able to award to Montana firms and see those jobs locally. So it is helpful, but it isn't um, hundreds of jobs. You know, over the course of a year, there would be years, there's hundreds of man hours, but it's not tons of people on each project. Coming up after the break, we will continue the conversation about the North Central Rocky Boys Water Project. And later this hour, a bipartisan group of legislators are taking a stand to fight an effort to shut down development in Montana. I'm Jennifer Owen here on Voices of Montana today. You can join the conversation at 866-627-5483. From Montana for Montana, this is Voices of Montana. Seems like the weather is always top of mind. First thing we ask about when we get together and often our last prayer at night. But do you ever get beyond the weather with your neighbor? Ask how they're really doing? We can't control the weather, but we can help each other weather the storm. Mental wellness isn't something we're used to talking about, but it's more important than any forecast. If you know someone that needs a hand dealing with farm stress, head over to beyondtheweather.com. That's beyondtheweather.com. Now, Jody, we've been talking a little bit about the scope of this project, how important it is to North Central Montana and to the folks living on Rocky Boy, what it means for our kind of part of the state to get this sort of infrastructure investment. But as we all know, there's lots of talk right now about the incredible amount of inflation. I think I saw a headline today that said we're hitting about 8% inflation, and we know the labor market in Montana is tight on top of that. So tell us a little bit about the challenges you're running into. You'd mentioned earlier that you were concerned that funding wasn't keeping up with the pace of inflation. What are you seeing as you look ahead to this construction season? Are you looking at labor shortages or material shortages? 
Jennifer, yes, you raise a valid point and a very significant concern right now. Um, I mentioned earlier that we had gone out to bid on Tiber Loma and Big Sandy, and a year or so ago, June, um, we had engineers' estimates on those segments that were $10 million. When we opened bids last week, they the lowest bids came in at $16 million. Mm. And yes, so that's you know, horrific increase. And it obviously changes what we can do in terms of scope of work. When we um, visited with the, um, we had one facilities bid because the facilities are include our pump houses and storage tanks. And what we learned from talking to contractors is um, they w- only could get one bid an electric um, sub. So I think people are concerned about supply shortages so they're a little they're not willing to commit on a you know a bigger long-term project or they're working somewhere else and they you know maybe they don't want to work on a government funded project because there are a few more hoops to jump through so i would say it's a profound concern we have meetings scheduled with the bureau of reclamation to talk about um the factors that go into how they adjust our spending authority. We call it our ceiling on the project. Mm -hmm. And those meetings are scheduled to happen in early May. And we're doing some homework on our end of, you know, this is rural Montana. What it costs to put a mile of pipe in the ground here is not, is not the same as what it costs if you get, you know, closer to a city in a more populous area. And so we're going to do our homework and make our best case of getting um, some increased spending authority, then we'll have the challenge of getting the funding for it. But unfortunately, at these rates of inflation, what we'd hope to do, and all the rural projects are in the same boat with that hundred million that, or, or excuse me, the billion mm-hmm. that was in the project and the hundred million recently, you know, allocated, it's just not going to do what people had hoped. You know, it's going to make a huge difference and it's going to make an impact, but it's um, not going to do what we thought it could have done, you know, when we first started talking about this over a year ago. So when and if, well, maybe if and when this project gets done, what will the impact be for the communities that are served by this project? Oh, it's huge. Most of all have very old infrastructure. You know, the water treatment plant at um, that Loma uses off the Marias was um, built in the 70s. The water treatment plant at Tiber Tiber County Water District was built in the 70s. And so they have this, what we call source, the source of the water, be it um, in most cases treatment plants or like a well system. They're old and they they need to be replaced. And they've all signed up for this project. So they have not wanted, you know, manage spending money like band-aiding, keeping things together because you need to provide safe water. So it'll be, I think, a profound relief for these communities not to have to worry about their source system. This Tiber Reservoir is a um, a robust, pristine, you know, just an ideal source of water that um, these systems will have access to. And then they can focus on their distribution systems and not have to worry about that source. It also, um, you know, water operators are hard to come by. They're all, you know, kind of more my generation's gray-haired and getting ready to retire. <laughs> and and there's a real shortage of those. And so a regional system will help with that. You know, you can combine your resources. So instead of Haver having a certified water treatment plant operator and Loma and 
Conrad, you know, you've got one, you know, a crew at the plant that everybody can, you know, have the benefit of shared resources. Now, if the public wants to learn more about this project, where can they go for information? We have a website, ncmrwa.com, or they can feel free to give me a call. I think my contact information is also on the website. That's fantastic. Well, best of luck to you and your team in getting this incredible project through to fruition. Thank you again to Jody Hellegard, project manager for the North Central Rocky Boys Water Project. Joining us after the break, Chuck Deneau will be here to tell us about the latest battle for the future of the Gallatin Valley. But first, let's get up to date with headline news from Brian Bennett. The strength of Montana's electric cooperatives is its member owners. When the time comes to let lawmakers know how a proposed bill could impact electric co-ops, they need to be able to call on you. Please consider joining the grassroots team at VoicesForCooperativePower.com to ensure the electric cooperative voice is a loud one when it needs to be heard. That's VoicesForCooperativePower.com. A message from your Montana electric cooperatives. They do more than keep the lights on for you. The Cottonwood Environmental Law Center out of Bozeman is championing Citizen Initiative 191, an effort to bypass the ordinary environmental review process and label 110 miles of river miles as outstanding resource waters, the highest environmental designation possible, and something quite frankly rarely seen outside of national parks or wilderness areas. During the 2021 legislative session, Montana legislators passed a provision giving state interim committees the opportunity to weigh in on proposed ballot initiatives. Last week, the Water Policy Interim Committee voted on a bipartisan 8-2 basis to oppose I-191. The committee's Do Not Recommend warning will now appear on petitions being circulated for signatures. I'm joined today on Voices of Montana by Chuck Deneau, Policy Director of the United Property Owners of Montana, a group of stakeholders who oppose I-191. Chuck, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. So give us the background on this citizen initiative. When did this effort begin and why? You know, the um, the initiative began fairly recently, but this issue goes uh, back a number of years. Um, there was an analysis done on the Gallatin River um, years ago to designate it as an outstanding resource water. And uh, and ultimately, the, the policy experts that looked at that determined not to uh, give the river that designation. So 191 is really a, an attempt to circumvent that that um, citizen-oriented process um, that's in the law and just designate these these water bodies um, with this this uh, outstanding resource waters designation um, without the, the scrutiny that it deserves. So what are the specific areas that would be impacted by this initiative? You know, it's the, the Gallatin and Madison uh, rivers um, in the area that, that kind of approaches Yellowstone National Park. So uh, specifically, it's from the park boundary um, to the confluence of the Gallatin River and Spanish Creek. And it's the Madison River from Heavy Again Lake to uh, uh, Ennis Lake. But it also includes all the streams that flow into those rivers um, in the affected area. So as I understand it, given, I mean, how critical these waters are, there's a pretty broad group of stakeholders who are raising real concerns about this initiative. 
You know, it's it's really interesting because, you know, so often we see uh, business and industry groups pitted against conservation groups, uh, but that's really not the case with 191. Um, all of the stakeholders for these rivers are united against 191, with the exception of the initiative sponsors uh, themselves. But you've got Montana groups that have for decades advocated for these rivers, groups like Trout Unlimited and the Gallatin River Task Force, they've come out against 191, um, principally because it would limit their ability to conduct restoration and cleanup projects on the rivers. So it's my understanding that there's something particularly objectionable about this project and it, or about this proposal and that it's it would restrict even temporary changes to the river streams. Is that correct? That's exactly it. And that's, that would be a, a, a very significant change to the existing law. Um, so that, that has the effect of really shutting down just about any type of a conceivable human activity, um, on these rivers and their tributaries. So that definitely has an impact on agriculture. Anyone who irrigates out of these water bodies or has livestock, uh, in these areas, um, it has, uh, impacts on housing developments, of course. And as we know, Gallatin County is, is ground zero for Montana's housing crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, 191 would have the effect of, of, of shutting down an entire area to uh, workforce housing and affordable housing. Um, and, it, and it has impacts on public recreation. Um, we, 191 would have the effect of stopping expansion of fishing access sites, of um, maintenance on trails in the area, and we, the public would definitely have um, less. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Chuck Deneau from United Property Owners of Montana. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Did you know? Orange BNSF locomotive-led trains can move one ton of freight more than 480 miles on a single gallon of diesel fuel? That includes freight like cars and trucks, TVs, washing machines, and Montana-grown wheat and pulses. In fact, moving goods by rail is the most efficient mode of land transportation, and BNSF is a proven provider of sustainable freight technologies. That's why orange is the new green. This is BNSF. I'm joined today on Voices of Montana by Chuck Deneau, the Policy Director for United Property Owners of Montana. Now, Chuck, there is a new provision in Montana law when it comes to citizen initiatives that allow legislative interim committees to weigh in. Tell us a little bit about how that's playing out with this new 191 initiative. You know, I think that's an important development with this, uh, you know, because so often, these ballot initiatives get boiled down to, you know, very simplistic arguments. And there, there's sometimes not a, a real hard look at what the policy implications really are. Uh, so this new process, these initiatives will go through, they'll go before a legislative committee, the committee will vote up or down whether this is a good idea or not. And, um, for the first time ever, um, a legislative committee in bipartisan fashion voted to oppose a ballot initiative and place a warning label on the petition telling voters that, that this isn't a good idea. And it's significant um, that a majority of both the Republicans and the Democrats on this legislative water policy committee voted to oppose uh, 191. That's just so rare these days. We mm-hmm. usually have the parties 
diametrically opposed to each other. Um, but it just shows how far out of the mainstream 191 is that it, it unified policy experts from both sides of the aisle. So Citizen Initiative 191, which is being led by the Cottonwood Environmental Center out of Bozeman, would designate 110 river miles on the Gallatin and Madison rivers as outstanding resource waters, which is the highest designation available. Lots of stakeholders showed up at that legislative hearing and opposed it. Specifically, what are some of the concerns? Well, for for agriculture, um, there's going to be significant impacts. Um, ag is the number one industry in this part of the state that would that would be affected, um, and so anyone who irrigates along those affected stretches of the Gallatin or Madison rivers, anyone who's got livestock in those those areas, um, they would have severe impacts. And um, if it's enacted, it could put some of those ag families um, out of business. You know, we talked a little bit about public recreation, how that would be reduced. Um, opportunities for public access would be impacted by 191. Um, and, and maybe an unintended consequence of this is with conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are existing restoration projects on these rivers that are aimed at cleaning them up and improving habitat. Um, but those um, conservation efforts could be stopped under 191 as well uh, because Anything that requires a permit from our Department of Environmental Quality for, um, for water, um, that is going to be stopped by 191. Um, from a technical standpoint, that's what 191 does, is it tells DEQ that, that they're no longer allowed to issue new pit permits or expanded permits um, for any uh, water usage on these rivers. You know, when we talked a little bit before about before the break about one of the really shocking pieces of this proposal is that not only would it restrict DEQ from issuing permits for permanent impacts to the rivershed, but it would also restrict even temporary impacts. So if, you know, if some, if, if environmentalists wanted to come in and do a quick habitat restoration or preservation, gosh, if they had to repair a road or a trail, I mean, it seems like even ordinary tourism could have a temporary impact on the watershed. That's right. It just shows that the, the proponents initiative didn't do their homework. They didn't consult with stakeholders who would be affected. Uh, they just threw this idea out there um, without without much support behind it. Um, but, you know, one of those unintended consequences would be for road maintenance. And, you know, the, anyone that, that's traveled that stretch of, of road from, from Gallatin Gateway down to the park knows that, you know, that's a um, that's a road that's got some safety concerns, um, and it, it needs to be maintained. Um, but 191 would have the effect of, of shutting down even road maintenance. Um, so there's, there's a public safety component to it that, that wasn't considered. Um, and th- that's, I think, why we see such a diversity of organizations opposed to 191. Just about any group that, that you could name um, has come out and expressed their concerns with this initiative. You know, we talked a little bit about this new interim legislative committee review that allows legislators to weigh in. And the fact that as these advocates now try to collect signatures, they will have a do not recommend from the legislature warning label on that petition effort. But what caught my attention was that actually the state DEQ even expressed some real concerns about this, particularly the idea that this initiative circumvents the ordinary environmental review process. That's right, and and that's rare to see too. To see the uh, 
state environmental agency like that um, weigh in so strongly against um, a ballot initiative. Um, and, you know, it, it just about any policy expert that's looked at this has, has come away and said, you know, the intention is good. We all want to protect our water mm-hmm. resources, but the devil's in the details. And, you know, could we actually be hurting things? Could we be setting ourselves back by being too restrictive and preventing um, even basic um, maintenance and conservation type projects? Um, you know, I also want to point out that it's it's not just the legislature that's weighed in on this, that the, the attorney general has too. Um, this petition um, is unique because it's got a warning label on there um, from the attorney general saying that this initiative will have significant material harm to uh, Montanans who live in this area. That's never been done on an initiative petition before. You know, and when when waterways or critical environmental habitats go through the typical environmental review process, there is a process. There's an analysis of alternatives, the best approach to preserving sensitive areas. There's cost-benefit analysis. There's a discussion of alternatives. And for this initiative, none of that will take place. Exactly. Um, you know, the law was constructed in such a way to ensure that we, we analyze these um, these river designations carefully and all stakeholders have an opportunity to, to weigh in and participate in that process. That's the way it should be. We, we need to be collaborative on major um, decisions like this. We, we shouldn't just be doing it um through ballot initiatives that designate a, a river here or there as um, being off limits to, to agriculture and recreation and, and uh, development. Um, and that's, I think, why so many groups have come out against this is because they're looking at um, 110 miles of the Gallatin and Madison right now. But if this initiative is successful, it's likely we'll see that um, idea exported to other areas of the state and we'll see additional um, designations uh, attempted to be made via ballot initiative and outside of that normal collaborative process. Today on Voices of Montana, we are talking about a new initiative process underway that would significantly restrict development in the Gallatin Valley. Join me after the break for more here on Voices of Montana. From Montana for Montana, this is Voices of Montana. At American National, we understand the tried and true farm and ranch lifestyle. And what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom-made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit an.insure/northwest. American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Chuck, before the break, we were talking a little bit about this initiative process really kind of going around the Ordinary Environmental Review for Sensitive Land Designation. And one of the things that's really missing because of that is any sort of fiscal impact, cost-benefit analysis. Do we have a sense of what this initiative could cost Montana? Oh, it's huge. It's uh, it's an enormous cost um, in terms of economic activity. You know, at that legislative hearing they had um, last week, it, there was a discussion about um, this could have up to a 50% decrease in the property tax base mm. in the, the affected areas. So that's, it's um, a huge impact. But, you know, the, the agriculture, recreation, all the things that that um, uh, 
make up the economic base of, of this area, uh, those are all affected. That is that is statewide impacts. That impacts the amount of economic activity that happens. It impacts the amount of, of tax revenue we collect. Um, and those are things that, that should be part of the discussion when we consider making a drastic designation like this. So the petitioners, the environmental groups that are pushing this, have said they feel like they have no choice. It's their perspective that DEQ is not monitoring or enforcing water quality standards on these critical rivers. Do you think that's fair? I don't. I don't think they presented any evidence that, that suggests that, that DEQ is not doing um, a good job of protecting these water resources. You know, listen, Montana's got some of the most stringent water quality laws in the nation, and our department is, is one of the best at enforcing uh, those laws. They're not, they're not letting anything slip through the cracks here. Um, you know, I think we need to be vigilant. We need to um, be proactive about uh, protecting these resources, cleaning them up, uh, restoring habitat. Um, but th- this is not the way to do it. So you work with a group of people called uh, United Property Owners of Montana. And I understand these are folks who've been working to preserve the Montana way of life, sort of a balanced conservation approach for decades, right? Yeah, you know, Montana's farmers and ranchers are the original conservationists. That's right. Uh, no one cares more about the land and water uh, than they do. Um, 191 would push them out. Uh, it would it would take away their rights. Um, it take away the um, generational ranching and farming activities that have been going on in this uh, area for decades. And um, that's just not right. You know, 191 uh, would strip people of their property rights. It would it would take activities that they're doing today and, and tell them those are no longer allowed. Um, and as a result, people's property loses value. So we've seen this just incredibly diverse group of stakeholders, traditional conservationists, property owners, agriculture interests, economic development interests, all coming out in opposition to this. But obviously, these are all people who still recognize the critical importance of the Gallatin and the Madison Rivers. So what's their alternative? What's their preferred approach to protecting these critical waterways? Well, I think a lot of it is is to do what we're doing now, and that's uh, to work collaboratively. Um, you know, the, the groups that are opposed to this, like Trout Unlimited and the, the Gallatin River uh, Task Force, um, they've been working on these issues for years. And, and now we have um, this new group, this Cottonwood Environmental Law Center, um, coming out of nowhere and, and saying they know how to do it better. That's that's not the Montana way. We need to continue to to work together um, and, and be vigilant about these rivers. And there's no doubt there's a lot of development happening in Gallatin County, and that has um, impacts on the water resources. But the people that have been there uh, for generations um, that have been monitoring these issues for years, um, th- we're doing the right things. And um, a ballot initiative that uh, takes a one-size-fits-all approach um, and just it says we're no longer going to allow um, most human activity on these rivers. That's not the, the collaborative way. So what are those next steps? Now, the legislature has weighed in. The Water Policy Interim Committee has given a do not recommend label. And so if people are approached with petitions, they're going to see that. You mentioned as well, the attorney general has weighed in with a do not recommend. So where does this effort go now? What's next? 
Well, I, I encourage people to read the fine print. There, there are uh, signature gatherers out there circulating the petition for this initiative right now. They need a, a little over 30,000 valid signatures uh, to place this initiative on the November ballot. And, and their, their message is, is simplistic. They're going to tell people, um, do you want to protect the Gallatin and Madison rivers um, from pollution? It's as simple as that. Um, but people should read the fine print. They should know what the, the implications of this initiative really are. And that's why I think the, these groups have come out um, so aggressively against 191 is because uh, they need to raise the alarm bells that um, this initiative isn't what it doesn't do what the proponents say it does and it comes with a lot of problems so if people are if, you, if you're approached by a signature gatherer ask the tough questions read the fine print and we're really urging people to decline to sign this initiative and how many signatures do they need to get this on the November ballot uh, it's uh, 30,000 and change, um, and they need to um, have some geographic diversity to that. There's some requirements in law. Um, so it's it's a fairly high bar, um, but they've got from now until about June 17th uh, to collect those signatures. And um, I know they're actively out there doing it now. And where can the public go to learn more about United Property Owners and your position on this bill? You know, the uh, the No on 191 Coalition uh, is just coming together. Um, the paperwork for the uh, opposition committee was just filed yesterday. Uh, so we'll have a, uh, a website uh, and social media channel set up um, very soon. That's great. Where people can learn about it. That's great. Well, that's all the time we have today on Voices of Montana. I'm Jennifer Owen. Thanks to my guests for joining me. And be safe out there on this snowy, cold Montana day.